even though I started making more money, I also started like spending way more money, you know? So um, it was, it was a gift and a curse, you know, like it was cool to be like, okay, now I can really see, like, I have the capacity to be this person that makes this type of money because until you get to that point, you're just looking out from the outside in, like, man, I just wonder what it takes to get to that point. And there I got to that point. But then I also understood like, dang, like, I could spend way more than this. You know what I mean? Like I'm just spending up all this money, you know? So that, that was, it was, it was good to make that money, but you know, um, it, it, it was, it was tough at the same time. Just, it was like some more lessons that had to be learned with that came with those paychecks, you know? Welcome to the millennials and money podcast, the podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and financial professional, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share the money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, as always, financial professional with Holmes Financial, Payne Boyer. And this week, I got another special guest with me. This week, I got Liberty Mutual Insurance Agent. My main man, Kobe Bell. Say what's up, Kobe. What's up? What's up? What's up? Everybody, Kobe Bell. Happy to be here. Uh, Yeah, insurance agent, Liberty Mutual. You got it down perfect. Glad to have you on, Kobe. So, Kobe, before I get started and let you share who you are and what you do for a living and share some of your story, I always like to start by sharing with my guests how you and I know each other. So, Kobe, we've known each other for... Man, how old is Carter now? He's uh, 12. So yeah, he's 12. So we know each other about 12, 13 years now. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so Kobe is my nephew's dad. And we, we've known each other for a long time, ever since my sister was pregnant. And then we began to um, kind of run parallel paths. When I first met you, you were selling shoes and I was selling cars. You hopped in the car business. From there, you went to Liberty Mutual. From the car business, I went to financial planning, and we kind of just been running parallel ever since. So that's as far as you and I go back about 12 years. Now I've seen you really just continue to grind, continue to rise, continue to reach different levels of success. So that's as far as you and I go. Why don't you share who you are, what you do for your living? Tell a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, Kobe Bell. Um, yeah, like I said, it, it's kind of crazy. 13 years has been since we've known each other. And uh, I think you kind of inspired me to get into the car business. And that's kind of where I grew my wings. Because if it wasn't for you, I, I'd probably still be selling shoes to this day, because that's that's where my heart is. Uh, like that shoe fashion stuff. But you know, I, I got to making real money when I met Peyton. So uh, that, that if that's anything, everybody should meet Peyton so you can make some <laughs> real money. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in the Sacramento area. Um, I just, you know, came up doing normal kids stuff and, you know, grew up, grew up a little bit fast, had a couple kids young. And then from there, it's like, I had to kind of, uh, you know, tighten up my bootstraps and, and get out and, and start doing my own thing and just making it work. So, uh, you know, I would, I would decide, define myself as, as a grinder, as a hustler, um, somebody who's, you know, I, I would say about that action and, um, you know, uh, stand behind my people too. So uh, that's, that's for sure me and who I am. Um, and if you want to know a little bit more, you just give me a call. Yeah, I got to say, man, you are a go-getter. Ever since I met you, you've been getting after Even Even when you were selling shoes, man, you weren't just your average Al Bundy. You were going to above and beyond. <laughs> 
You're going to go yeah. beyond <laughs> yeah. with, the, with that real um, <laughs> customer experience. You set the uh, the culture there, man. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your passion about everything you do and the way you always, you know, you you master your craft. That's something I didn't do in the car business. Like I had to find something I really love, like finance to really dive deep and master it. But you're someone who you want to succeed in whatever it is you do. So even at the, in the show in the shoe business, you're learning about shoes, what shoe is best. Same in the car business, you're knowing what car was right for the for each customer what they're looking for. That's something I didn't learn until I got into finance and really got a passion about it. And that's why you've reached such levels of success, man. So this show is all about money and people's money story. And I found through my experience, uh, through my own personal experience and through the experience with my clients is that the mindset around money and the, the foundation kind of gets set in place at a young age and usually when they're at home in, the, in childhood. So that's where the story begins. So why don't you take us back then and talk to, about, talk to us about what was money like in your household growing up? Uh, man, I think money was more of a, a taboo thing in my household growing up. You know, we had it, but we didn't really want to talk about too much about spending it. You know, mom was like, nah, we can't afford that. We can't afford this. And uh, like I said, I have a real sneaker addiction. So I started out young, trying to get a little bit of ends to to spend on, you know, buying the newest and latest J's. And that, that I think that was pretty much the extent of it and I think that it's kind of a it's a sad way to start out but it really kind of opened my eyes to once I got to be an adult that hey I really need to keep track of my own finances and what I'm doing with my money here and there and you know just trying to make sure that um, this money doesn't just end up all dry tomorrow you know because that's that's how we we start out or at least how I started out living check to check Um, but you know now I've gotten to a point to where it's like you know you you always paying yourself first once you get paid and making sure that that money is going to be there for the long run. And once you have kids, you really just kind of understand that that legacy is a huge, huge, huge part of it. Um, because, you know, it, it, who's to say that we'll be here tomorrow or the week after that. And and those are your seeds. And you just want to make sure that they're, they're watered and, and grown the right way. Um, so financials has to be one of the top five components of, of raising a, cat, a kid. Um, and, you know, me and you, we, we've actually went and sat down and, and spoke with the kids and taught them about credit and debit cards and bank accounts and different things like that. And I think that's one of the most fulfilling things I've done in my career is just doing things like that and trying to uh, show the kids some stuff that they don't teach you in school because there's no, you know, they teach you what a dollar is and, you know, with the, how to tell the difference between them, but they don't teach you how to make sure that that, that money lasts for yourself. Yeah, they, they teach you how to make money. They don't teach you what to do, how, what to do with money, how to make that money last and grow. So that, you know that that you and I will have to talk more about that in the future because I'm doing some things, putting some some things together for the city about kind of kind of like what we did at that school, but on a much larger scale. I'll definitely keep you involved. But let's Sweet. get back to your household, man. It sounds like you grew up kind of like a lot of the people from the city, you know, where we're from. It's especially the minority community. It's like that. It's money's taboo. It's like, hey, it's here sometimes. It's not here sometimes. You just go with the flow as a kid. You mind your own business. Don't even ask me about it because you got no business talking to this table anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and yeah. then you kind of you just take that lifestyle of having it and not having it into adulthood. And that cycle is something that's it's breaking now and it needs to be broken. Mm-hmm. But talk to us about what that was like. Okay, so you grew up in that money, in that kind of mindset of, hey, 
if I want nice things, I got to make some money to buy nice things. Mm-hmm. But that's all money's for at that point. Yeah. So what did, what happened when you got out of high school? Like, what was life like for you then? I know, I don't know if you had, if you had already had a son at that point, mm-hmm. but talk to, about, talk to us about you matured and got a little more independent. What life was like for you at that yeah. point? Yeah, as I got more independent, you just, um, I think it really just boils down to um, when you need to do those those normal things in life, like you need to pay for your rent or you need to pay for a car payment. And all it takes is one or two times, at least that's what it took for me, one or two times of being like, wow, I'm, I'm coming up short on a $300 car payment, you know, so, you know, it, you know, it, like things hey, like I, that. I, I got to find you there because it got to take one time because it takes two times your car is gone. Exactly, exactly. Or or when you have to make those executive decisions, like, am I going to eat a hamburger today or am I going to get gas today, you know, and, and things like that. But then it's like, wow, but last week I bought a T-shirt that I knew I shouldn't have bought, you know, things mm-hmm. Those types of decisions really started kind of opening my eyes to, um, yeah, I got to get it together, you know. And then it, it was it was more of a baby step process because then it just became, all right, well, I have money for the necessities, but I'm still gonna go buy that T-shirt. I'm not, I don't have nothing else to spend at the end, but you know, at least I got everything taken care of. And then it became, okay, well. I'm not going to buy that T-shirt until, you know, five, six months later down the road when I saved up enough and I have everything else taken care of um, to where it's like now it's like, you know, maybe I'll just buy a thousand T-shirts and, you know, start my own T-shirt business, you know. So it just it just is uh, something that's, you know, you're constantly growing and changing. Um, and and I, I think that just being in the game, you're going to you're going to um, you're going to naturally develop those types of skills here and there. Yeah, and those mindset, the mindset changes, like, as you see needs, and then, then like, needs got to have, and they come luxuries, and then you start looking at them as, okay, this is a resource, because this is something I can use to make money for my own self and contribute to my family, and, and your desires change as your responsibilities change, as your outlook changes, and you just continue to grow, like you said, and continue to mold a new mindset, so, but talk to me about what it was like getting started in the shoe business. Like when you first got a taste of making your own money, you, you didn't have much. I think you might've had a son, you might've had kids at the time, but you didn't have too much responsibilities, but you were making more money than you had in the past. Talk to me what yeah. that was like that first taste. So man, shoe business, dude. I, I, like I said, I love the shoe business, man. It, it was exciting. I, so I actually got lucky with my first shoe store job. Uh, my sister had went into the shoe store and um, I think the manager liked her or something and was trying to tell her about a job. And she f- somehow finessed it to where I ended up being the job. So, you know, like he didn't like me as much because I'm not <laughs> as good looking. <laughs> but, but, at the, but at the same time, you know, we made it work. And I, I think my love and my passion for the shoes just really uh, turned it over. And I had a lot of friends and things from the neighborhood coming in. They knew that I had a love and a passion for shoes. Um, but that just being there it was it was difficult in the sense that you know it's like um i would say like it's you're you're working with your poison like i know that i love shoes a lot yeah. so it's like as soon as i'm getting paid i'm like okay i got to get these brand new jays i got to get these brand new nikes you know <laughs> i got to have them you know i got to have them and it's like it's easy to talk yourself into it like well i won't make any sales if i'm not wearing the new jays like what i got to have these so it's like it, almost like a necessity it's like, like it's, it's like those guys at the casino like 
they they get that check in chips. Exactly. And, and the casino's like, okay, it's coming right back anyway. You know, I it's mean, it's like thing. it's like recycling, like re, whatever the recycle, <laughs> reuse. The, it was basically that with me. I just was, it was just kind of going back where it came from. Um, so I mean, it was it was dangerous, but it all be it. There's something to that psychological that um, you know, just feeling good to go to work and doing something you totally just love doing. I probably would have sold shoes if they were to pay me a dollar an hour. It, I mean, it it just was something that I just truly enjoyed doing, and it was cool. And you made the most out of it. I felt good every day going up there. Um, so yeah, it was cool. I, I hope I asked your answer your question. You, you kind of took me down the path of. Uh, of happiness and I couldn't really get back <laughs> to what the topic was. So my yeah, apologies. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Huh, let's pause here for a commercial break. Hey, what's going on, guys? If you're enjoying the show, make sure to leave a rating and review on whatever listening platform you're using. We really appreciate it and make sure to share with a friend. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Millennials of Money podcast. I'm your host, financial professional with Holmes Financial, Peyton Boyer. I got my guest, insurance agent with Liberty Mutual, Kobe Bell. Say what's up, Kobe. What's up? What's up? Hey. So, so Kobe, when we left off, you were talking about uh, your journey in the shoe business, man, how you were selling shoes, and, but you were selling shoes, making money, and using your money back to purchase more shoes. So you're kind of, you're kind of working with your poison, I think, is the way you put it. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about the transition from there to the car business where I brought you on. Talk mm-hmm. about, about that transition, what that whole process was like, and what where the car business ultimately led you. Okay, so um, car business, it got started. I was still working at the shoe store, um, but uh, you were kind of telling me how the car business was, and I was looking for something a little bit different because the position that I had wanted in the car, in the shoe business didn't really work out the way that I had planned on it to work out. So I said, I mean, what the heck? I'll just take another little job, a little side gig. Oh, let's let's work. pause there. Let's pause there because I don't think we talked about that. You kind of refreshed my memory. I think at one point you were getting ready to move to the East Coast with the shoe business, wasn't it? Something, something like yeah. that. What, talk mm-hmm. about that. What was going on there? So with with the shoe business, I had an opportunity, um, maybe I think it was 2012, um, to move out to Chicago and run some shoe stores out there. Um, it was, but it was all in in preparation to become a buyer for a shoe store. And essentially, what the buyer does for the shoe store is you're the one that meets with the reps at Nike and Adidas and. Puma, all these different brands, and you say, okay, I want to purchase this amount of shoes to go to this store in this neighborhood. Um, so that's what I was kind of like, I was thinking like, well, this will kind of be my end game goal in the shoe business. Um, but so yeah, by that time, when I was getting the car, to the car business, I had already came back. Um, and it just kind of like the, the progression started moving a little bit slower. Um, and that was like maybe late 2013, early 2014. Um, by the time that we things have kind of gotten to the point where I was like, hey, I'm either going to have to stick it out or I'm going to have to figure something else out to do with, with my life. Got it. Yeah. So and then that's when I hit you up about, hey, man, check out this car business. Talk about uh, that, man. We worked at separate lots, actually, same yeah. family, different lots. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, man. It was it was interesting. Um, it was cool going there because I only had to go maybe I think at that time I was working two days a week there, uh, maybe doing like four or five hours a week, like a day there. Um, but it was interesting just in the sense of I've never really seen 
just I don't know it, it that business has an element to it that is like more of um people are like hey I want this right now I need this the way that I want it um and shoes is kind of the same way but it's just a little bit more when somebody's spending 10 grand 15 grand on a car uh it just kind of changed the it changes the dynamics a little bit so you know I had some pleasant experiences there especially turn in terms of like the money that I made so quickly um but then I had some like some different experiences in a sense of just seeing disgruntled customers come up there, you know, and dealing with their heat and dealing with their issues <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, it, it like it worked out and it, it ultimately made me want to get into a different car lot and say, forget the shoe business altogether. And that's kind of what it what, what I what it led to. Yeah, that used car business, that's something else, man. Trust me. And those yeah. disgruntled customers, you you got a you got a disgruntled customer, disgruntled boss. You ain't uh-huh. pleasing everybody in that business. It's a tough one. It's actually what actually ultimately led, led me to get out that business too. But it's something to be said when you learn to deal with emotions. You you yeah. really learn to deal with people's emotions on a new level. Yeah, you, you got any examples of stories of times if you don't got one, I know I got a few. Of times you had to deal with some customers' emotions and really work it out for you and you, your boss, and the client. Oh man, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would say I'm pretty a pretty smooth guy. So I usually can kind of kind of like load things over when stuff like that goes down. But I, I it was one time at that little car lot. I think it was called I don't want to even say the name of the car lot, but you know, I was it was one time at the little car lot where we had sold a guy's wife a car. And the car had just broke down like it was like two weeks later or something. So he kept bringing the car up there for us to fix it. And, you know, we have fixed this issue. A new issue will pop up the next day, you know, just things like that. So eventually the lady's husband comes up to the car lot and he's like, Hey, little bro, like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to whoop on you, but where your boss at? So like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, like, I'm just an employee, man. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm just here trying to make, make ends meet. So you weren't ready to I die said, for the cause. Yeah, I, I wasn't ready to die for the cause, but at the same time, I didn't want to throw him up under the table. So, you know, I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to fix it. And then the boss, he comes storming out of the back, like what's going on. But like, he's coming out of the back, like he's ready to go. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was one of those times where the husband kind of had to hold it down maybe for the wife, but he really didn't want to fight either. And it just kind of like, it was like, yeah, man, just fix the car for me. And it was like, all right, I'll fix it. You know? So it was a crazy situation, but nothing too hectic. And that's what I learned, man. You gotta, you gotta take care of people. That's it, man. I learned a few things there. You gotta take care of people. If you're a business owner, you gotta take care of people. You gotta, cause you don't want, you want to want your wife in that situation or your daughter in that situation. And I'm and in the most cases, people are willing to work it out when you can come to a common ground and talk and really figure out what the issue is. When it comes to like testosterone and men, and you think you're being challenged as a man, and that's yeah. the things get heated. But yeah. you realize, oh, it's not even about me. It's about this problem this guy has, and I can actually be the solution. You can learn to look at it from a different lens. I knew you were a boss who that he gets down. That dude will get down. He, oh, he doesn't yeah. seem like it the way he talks, the way he acts. Yeah, but I heard he's got like a hundred and zero, a hundred and zero uh, street fight record. I'm not positive. But oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he he seems like he seems like a sleeper. He probably gets a couple cats just because they're not expecting it. You know, like <laughs> I guess back in the streets of Russia, man, when he was growing yeah. up, he had to fight every day. He was telling me something like that. But oh, hey, okay. hey, we we digress. 
But yeah. another, another thing I learned about that was just the opportunity days of business ownership, especially in this country. Like mm-hmm. those dudes literally came from a different country. They over here getting it. Mm-hmm. And then that showed us like guy brothers like you and me grew up here, know the language, first language, only language we know. And we ain't getting it like that yet. That's why I said, I got to make a move and start taking up this opportunity. So now, now let's go talk about the transition from the independent used car lot to the spot you went to yeah 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 so um the way it kind of just it, it I, I don't remember the exact moment of what happened but i just remember i got an an, an interview at a, a out in roseville a chevrolet dealership so got an interview out there and i mean i was talking to the guys and you know they're selling me up on you know you can make this much money uh, you know you want to know how it feels to make a 100 grand in a year and all these different things. And I'm like, Oh yeah, like I'm down, like I'm for sure down for the cause. Um, and so I started there and I started there in 2014 and I mean, it was tough. It was really a grind because you have days where you come to the car lot, you come there at eight o'clock in the morning and you're scheduled till six o'clock, but a client comes in at six o'clock. Well, now maybe we're going to be working until nine o'clock tonight. So you working 12 hours, maybe just to sell one car. And so like those types of things were a grind, um, but it started really getting to the point to where you kind of get comfortable around the people at the car lot. You kind of get comfortable with the lingo of the different um, salespeople there. And then also just the, the giving the clients what they want. It just is a, it's a good feeling when you sell somebody a car and they're just like, man, I'm so happy. Like, you know, for some people, it could give them a boost of confidence. You know, you have a person that comes into the car lot, you know, not feeling too well about themselves. And then, the, hey, now they're driving in a new Camaro. It does something for them. You never know what kind of trajectory that leads them down. So it, it was really gratifying. And eventually the money started coming in. And that was that was nice. It was nice making that kind of money up there. But it's just the hours were hectic. I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, you said a few things. That's because, you know, we told some bad stories about the car business. But mm-hmm. to be honest with you listeners, that's where I learned I have a love to help people. Because, you know, car, car dealership, car sales guys, like, we get a bad rep or we got a bad rep. But then it's about helping that client. And we really help somebody who looks like they're in a position where they, they can't own a car. They don't even think they can make it happen. And you're that conduit between them and success. And them getting that job, they need the car too to get to work or to provide provide for their families. You really see, like, man, I'm literally here making a difference in someone's life, and this feels good, man. And that's that, that's when I learned. I, I it's what led me to this career because I learned, hey, I like helping people, and I found this job doing this. So, yeah. so we'll talk about getting the bag, man. We started making some money at the car dealership. What was that like? That that car money versus the shoe money. What, and did you have why they call it? I uh, can't think of the name of it. Lifestyle creep. You know, uh, you know, you know. If you don't have a budget, your lifestyle adapts to the money coming in, whether it's a little bit, whether it's yeah. a lot. You're using it. So let's talk about that lifestyle creep. Okay, man. So once that money started coming in, you know, it it was good, man. Like you you get sometimes like at that point in time, I the most I had ever seen on like a two week paycheck was maybe like, let's just say $1,500. It wasn't much. Um, and then at going to the car lot, you, you, you might see a check that's, you know, 10 grand, you might see a check that's 15 grand. Um, and it doesn't go to say like, I'm telling everybody, Hey, just go get in the car business. Cause some days <laughs> you might see that check. That's like 500 bucks, you know, or 200 bucks, who knows? Um, but 
I started getting that money and dude, I'm like, I'm a skinny guy. You guys maybe can tell I'm skinny. Uh, but when I was there, I, I had got a little a gut, man. I was starting to get, you know, I'm starting to eat food that I normally don't eat. Um, you know, going on trips that I normally don't go on. I'm buying way more stuff than I should be buying. So kind of like, it kind of goes back to what we were saying the last time, you know, it's like, even though I started making more money, I also started like spending way more money, you know? So, um, it was, it was a gift and a curse, you know, like it was cool to be like, okay, now I can really see, like, I have the capacity to be this person that makes this type of money because until you get to that point, you're just looking out from the outside in, like, man, I just wonder what it takes to get to that point. And there I got to that point. But then I also understood like, dang, like, I could spend way more than this. You know what I mean? Like I'm just spending up yeah. all this money, you know? So that, that was, it was, it was good to make that money, but you know, um, it, it, it was, it was tough at the same time. Just, it was like some more lessons that had to be learned with that came with those paychecks, you know? And that's the real deal, man. Like you meet so many people, even still me and what I do, I meet clients who are making six figures of literally the last 30 years. They got $10,000 saved up. That's it. Like, retirement counts and everything and it's because they never stop and say how much do i need to be happy how what makes you happy how much and and if you don't know how much you need to be happy you think you need everything you have to be happy and it's like i said i like to say man um evan always feels like you know they never have enough but the the issue is that they don't really know enough is and when you find out how much enough is it's not it doesn't really take that much to be happy and yeah. you, you gotta just align your spending with what is your value to what is it makes you happy. So let's talk about how you learn to be, how you learn to adjust that kind of income, how you learn to, to to align your your spending with your with your with your lifestyle that that makes you happy. And let's also talk about what you're doing today and how you ended up there. Yeah. So um, what it really came down to um, was in 2016. I had my last son, um, and with with my, hey, my hey, now hey, wife hey, you, yeah you can't say your last son you don't know that yeah you guys you know uh, well it's like <laughs> i'm putting i'm speaking that into existence hey, you know hey, I mean? hey, like, hey, <laughs> like yeah like quote me here on august 20th 2021 <laughs> i said this you know what i mean so i don't want to break my word but um but yeah no so i had my son with my wife and um i think it really just boils down to getting somebody who's really good in your life to kind of point and look and see like those different things and 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 my wife has for sure done that for me it's just like been things and times that you know i'm messing up and i love to be like hey baby and i'm am i messing up here because a lot of times i ask myself that first you know and she's like yeah you messing up but go ahead go ahead that's why the man who can receive instruction especially from his wife it's scriptural too you know the scripture says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the lord and that, uh-huh. you know, a lot of people interpret that like meaning that because I got a wife, I've got favor. But the way I interpret it is that because God sees I found a wife, he's going to bless me with favor. And when mm-hmm. you realize, you know, God put this person in your life to make you better, it gets yeah. a lot easier to accept instruction from them. Because, you know, right. as a man, you want to say, man, how's she going to know more than me? But yeah. then you realize, yeah. wait, nah, she, God gave her me. So it's kind of like we, we both yeah. know it. Yeah, no, and without a doubt, like, um, she for sure knows more than me because she's like way smarter than me. So I don't even I don't even question it at this point. But, you know, it's for sure. She's helped me out with a lot of that 
finance stuff buckling down. Uh, we need to make sure that not only is the rent paid, but the kids can be in XYZ programs. And then also Christmas is coming up later this year. And then also once we get to retirement ages, we need to make sure that we can go on vacations and different little things like that to me that just weren't in my, they weren't in my scope. And think, um, think, thinking down the line, man. And it's exactly. It's, Thing is, especially in our culture, I know she's a sister too, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. most people in our culture, we're not, we're, we're tied to think for the moment. That's why we have such a consumer mindset. Like, I don't know the numbers, but you know, we make up a large percent of consumerism in this country. Yeah. We're, we're the lowest paid, but our consumerism is like the second highest in the, of all cultures, which is insane. Yeah, I think it comes from that urge to try to get that big, that as much of the pie as we can. You know, it's like a, a certain things like, you know, you you want to look and be perceived to be affluent and you want to look and be perceived to be special, especially when it's come from years of turmoil and years of being discriminated against and all these different issues that us as a culture has de- dealt with. I think that for me to say, hey, I'm going to go put on a nice a nice outfit with a new chain and, and get it the best looking car. It to, to us, it just right off the back, it's an easier book to read. It's an easier story to sell versus I'm going to save my money up and make sure that my 401k is bad and make sure that my kids have money down the line, make sure this, this and that. I'd rather just sell that story of I'm going to get that nice car and I'm going to get the, all the accessories to go with it. And but I'm going to be broke but I'm going to have all these things and you're not going to think I'm broke, but for sure I am. And that that's a big thing, man. I, I've done another talk on this one is perception, man. And you know, everyone always says they don't care what people think. And that might be true, but almost everybody cares the way they're perceived. Oh, for sure. And, and for there's sure. nothing, there's nothing wrong with caring how you're perceived. The issue becomes is, is when caring how you're perceived is more important than caring who you really are. Cause that's exactly. what people, people get caught up and realize, you know, I want to be perceived this way, even if I'm not this way, even mm-hmm. if I don't got it like that, even if me buying this meal for my friends and family is really hurting me and not a wise decision, not filled in my gut, but I still mm-hmm. want to be perceived like I got it. That's yeah. when the, that's where the issue comes, man. And being able to realize it's not about perception, it's about reality and who you want to be and being who you are. That's what it's about, man. I'm glad that you found Erica. She was able to help you out and, and guide you to, to to making wise decisions, man. So that's a real blessing. Without a doubt, without a doubt, man. Appreciate it, man. And I know you held down over there too. So yeah, I know you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, like I said, man, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. For sure, for sure, man. So we're gonna talk about what you're doing now, and then we're gonna talk okay. about uh the major purchase, man, the home purchase, and what that whole journey okay. was like okay. too. And I okay. think you, you got it by the time to where you still already got some equity. So that was a nice place. But let's talk about let's talk about um, what you're doing now. Yeah. So um, and man, I, I uh, let's see. OK, perfect. All right. So um, right now I am an insurance agent. So, and the way I got into that business is um, at the car lot. I feel like I've, I've had all these jobs that kind of transition into different jobs, you know. So my, I got my job now from the car lot. The way that worked out was I had a lady who would come up to the car lot all the time and she would, you know, she would take care of me for sending her referrals. And um, I think you might have even introduced me to her. 
Maybe you did. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, I think I you just, owe me some kind of trail off everything you do in life. You know, we, it looks like that's another, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, like what you say? I dig, I digress, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. So I had a, I got seen what she was doing and I liked it. And she, you know, when she would be able to come to the car lot and come see me or if, if ever I called her, it sound like she just would be with her family and she start working on insurance. And I liked that a lot because at that time, my kids were getting a little bit older and I'm like you know what like being at this car lot all day is just not working out for me and my family and stuff like that so I need to be in something where I can make this kind of money but at the same time I can spend time with my family and so speaking to different insurance agents it's like yeah that's the perfect job it's the perfect fit for you um, you can kind of work from home and you can go to an office too but you can make good money doing it and then at, at plus you'll start getting renewals on the business that you're selling right now. And I was like, dude, what are renewals? And somebody broke it down and explained it to me. Like you sell somebody an insurance policy now, and then next year you get paid on that again. And then the next year you get paid on that again. Speaking to somebody who's selling cars. And once I sell you a car, I may, I may never see you again. I may ne never get paid again. I said, oh yes. Yeah, and no brainer. Let me, let me start trying to figure out what it's going to take to become an insurance agent. So uh, I ended up at Liberty Liberty Mutual uh, in 2017. I got hired on my birthday. And I mean, ever since then, I've, I've been there rocking and rolling. And it's been perfect because the business is a relationship business. Mm -hmm. And it's the type of business that, you know, I need to be in touch with good mortgage brokers. I need to be in touch with good real estate agents and good car people and people who sell shoes, people who know people. I have to build those types of relationships to keep my business thriving and, and going. So uh, my story has kind of just developed in, in a natural progression, but it's just worked out in a, in a nice, beautiful way um, to where I am now. And, and insurance is an, it's an, it's a lovely thing. Um, I think to some capacity, you have some products that are similar to insurance and things like that. And, and with most things, and this is just the one insurance tip I'll just tell people is like, you can be cheap on everything you want to be cheap in, in life, you know, save money. That's a beautiful thing, you know, but don't be cheap on your insurance. Like with your insurance, make sure that you have the best coverage, make sure that you go with the best person, the best service, all those different things, get the top-notch insurance. Because if you ever have a loss, if you ever have a claim, or if you ever have a family member who passes away, you want to make sure that you're taken care of. And that's the most important thing with insurance. Don't go cheap and then be sad and sorry when you're not taken care of the way you want to be when something happens to you. Amen, man. You know, I've said it before on the show, you know, everyone's talking about investing in the stock market and bonds and all that. Yeah. They want to talk about all these different investments that are out there. And that's the sexy stuff. That's the fun stuff. It is the fun stuff. The planning is the fun stuff. But I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't doing the life insurance part. That's part exactly. of the plan. It might not be the sexiest part of the plan, but I, I, I feel in most cases, if you have a family, it's the most important part of the plan. And if I'm not talking about it, it's not my job to force you to buy anything. It's my job to make sure you're aware that these products are out there and what they can do for you. And if you don't see the benefit of it, that's on you. But hey, at that point, I can sleep at night. But if yeah. I haven't done my part to talk to you about the importance of insurance, then I'm leaving you defenseless. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that to my anybody. Yeah, yeah. And and life insurance in itself is just a, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's not super sexy, but at the same time, it's like just so necessary. You know, hey, it's like hey, it's, it might, it's super necessary. Only it might not feel sexy, but the people it's for. 
when it comes in play, I'm telling you, they feel it's the most important thing that you've ever done for them. Yeah, yeah. You're you're really showing, like, man, you were wise enough to leave a legacy. That that shows how you really care for somebody, man. And and then it's just like, uh, you know, we've all had, and I think all people can relate to at this point in our lives, if, you know, they're around our age, you know, you can relate to losing somebody in life, you know, and that's, that's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough bear to take on. Um, but at the same times that, that life insurance stuff, it gives you that financial relief and it may just be like, well, you know, I'd rather have that person back. I'd rather not have, I re- I don't care about the money at that time, but at the same time, you got to think, you know, if you want to grieve, it's, to, it's, to, that's the, that's the time you need to grieve. You shouldn't be having to grieve plus worry about, dang, who's going to take care of all these bills or who's going to take care of little Johnny's kids now? You know, who's going to take care of this? Who's going to take care of that? And that's what it gives you. It gives you that peace of mind to grieve for that person then. And then maybe, you know, it takes a year to grieve. After that year, now you can start to build that, build those foundational pieces up again so that your family continues that that lifeline of having life insurance and building that good legacy. Maybe buy a business and name it after your family member who passed away. You never know, but that's how you that's how the game is played. And that's the stuff I wish I would have been taught a long time ago. No, you and I are saying the same thing. Like it's it's just you need that time, you need that peace of mind. Can, can you imagine grieving for a lost family member? And then thinking to yourself, dang, how am I going to bury her? Mm-hmm. Dang, how am I going to pay this bill? Dang, what about the mortgage? And, and can you imagine your family thinking that if you're the provider? You don't want to put that on anybody, man. So yeah. I, I really appreciate what you do for people out there. I'm glad you're, you're out there, to, especially talking to our people who need this. Like some some people, and it's not just Blacks, it's minority cultures. It's like I talk to people and they think it's like it's, it's like a curse. Mm-hmm. I, tell, I tell people, man... If you de- nobody's lucky enough to die the day after they buy life insurance, <laughs> that would be yeah, the biggest return yeah. on investment in the world. In the exactly. world, exactly. No, for real, for real. I, I don't know if we're gonna include that part, of that that quote in the show, but that's that's obviously what I tell people, man. Mm-hmm. So I so so let's talk about your home your, your journey to homeownership. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the realtors that give them a shout. I know you're really involved oh, with the yeah, realtors. Yeah. Uh, talk about how you found them and what okay. they taught you about the homeownership process and. What are they doing for the community out there? Dude, um, so let me think how this all kind of played out. So I, so my home, my journey to, I'll kind of break it down real quick. So my journey to home ownership, the way it happened is, uh, I think it was 2019, Wells Fargo had a really cool program. It's called the Neighborhood Lift Program. Uh, basically, what they were doing is they were just giving families 20 grand to go put down on a house um, and a grant that you didn't have to pay any interest on. It just was a part of the of the loan that you take on. Um, and it's just an, you know, it's just basically they're giving you 20 grand to get started on a home. You know, it's something that they had to do to give back to the community. So I got lucky and got in on that. And from then the ball, ball was just rolling and it was like, okay, now it's time to get a house because we didn't really know when we were going to be able to buy a house before that. Like, it just was like one of those things, like we saving up money spending money, saving money, spending money, you know, and it's just coming and going still, but we had more, it's just like our, our level of having finances was higher still. Um, so 
you know, once we finally got into the house, it was, you know, it, it was a tough process. It was tougher than what I thought, but it's, it's been a beautiful thing just having a spot and, um, taking, fixing things up here and there. Um, and then, you know, it's just like, it's a nice thing to be like, this is my family. And now I get to play with those ideas of like, okay, once I outgrow this house, or once, you know, the, this house is too big for me, now I'm like, okay, well, I want to make sure that I can maybe rent this out or, you know, have a spot that's in my family forever or something like that. And it's like kind of another, another feeling of life insurance. It's like I'm insuring the fact that my family will have a place to live down legacy and legacy, you know, down the line, you know, we'll, we'll, gen- generational generation, wealth, generation, generation, yeah, wealth. down the line is going to be here for us to stay at. You know, we can either make some money off it or we could lay our head in there. Um, so that that was cool and it was perfect. And then so with Realtist, um, those things kind of tie hand in hand because I found out about the Neighborhood Live program, um, I think through Realtist. So, so, so let's rewind for listeners. Who, who are the Realtist? So Realtist is a group that they're, they're, they're a nationwide group, but I'm a part of the Sacramento Realtist and it's just helping black people in democracy and housing. Um, it just mainly has to deal with our people have been unfairly treated in the housing system for so long. And Realtist group is to get, Realtist main purpose is to get brothers and sisters and just people who, like you said, just different minorities, different programs and different people to help them out. And so it mainly is comprised of uh, real estate agents and mortgage lenders. There's a few other, you know, they have financial advisors in there. Um, You have insurance agents in there, but it's just those people who are in those professions are in our Realtist members and Realtist members are just trying to help you know, different uh, black and brown people in our communities to get into the housing market. Um, and the way that, can I tell you how I was introduced into Realtors? Yeah, yeah, tell me. Okay, yeah, so I, I got introduced into Realtors by chance. Like, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, I didn't know that there was a group of, you know, 100 uh, black mortgage lenders and real estate agents, period. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So I was looking to try to get a business relationship with a a lender who I thought would be cool. It was a sister. Uh, Her name is Sheila. And I was trying to get her to, to, to work with me. And when I went there, I have my whole spiel ready to go. I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, I have everything. So if she says this, I'm going to say this. If she says that, I'm going to say that, but I'm going to, at the end of the day, she's going to send me business. So once I went there, I said like maybe two sentences and she was like, wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> she was like, I'm going to send you business. Like she didn't even, she, she didn't <laughs> even question me at all. She was like, I'm going to send you business. Don't worry about it. Um, but she was like, I just need you to go to this group and check it out. And so, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, if you're going to send me business, whatever, I'll go, I'll check it out and see what's going <laughs> on. Yeah. And, and I went and it was in, a, it's in a church off of Florin Road and it was just all, all brothers and sisters in there. And, you know, it's not, and that's not to say that the other, there's not other races in there because there is other races in there, but it was just cool to see that many professional brothers and sisters in one place. And I I was like, damn, it was crazy. I I got to pause you there because I remember you called me and told me about like maybe the second day, man, I never seen so many black people getting it. (laughs) And, And you know, it does something for you. Like I was blessed. Like my dad got the bag before me. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I've been I've been blessed to be around successful black people like my whole life. And mm-hmm. it's given me a different mindset than the people who I grew up around. Yeah. And then I realized as I became an adult, like I've seen something from the time I was a child that a lot of people haven't seen. 
They've never seen a black man get up and put a suit on every day and go do something like. And so, so they they had never had those limits on success that a lot of people in our culture have. And I saw you talking about that. I was like, man, this 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 for Kobe. He he's woke. He's yeah. woke. And yeah. like you were full of energy, and I was so excited about it. And I gotta pause you, and it reminds me that I that you don't owe me no any trails, because. Mm-hmm. I was with the other Fortune 500 company at that point when you told me about that, and you invited me to a meeting, and I had already known less my boss now, but yeah. I, and he was kind of mentoring me, but I, but we kind of we kind of I had I wasn't working for him, and mm-hmm. I saw him at that first meeting. He was there, and we linked <laughs> back up, and that's how I started working for him again. So I started yeah. working for him to begin with. So nice, so we're nice. even. We we call it even. It's good, man. As long <laughs> as we even, it's good, man. But yeah, no, it it. It just it changed a lot for me, and it gave me that that why. It added the why to what I do because, like I said, up until this point, we kind of talked about you know getting money out of it and you know trying to make customers happy. But it seems like, and when you're in business, you're still always just trying to find that why. Like, why am I doing this? You know, like yeah, I'm making money. Yeah, I'm making my customers happy. But like, what is in in it for me? You know, and that's still to this day is the main why. One of the main whys in business for me is being in that group and knowing that I'm doing something to try to help my people out at the end of the day. You know, I'm standing for something that's important to us. And even if we don't know it's important this group knows it's important. So me, I'm just kind of taking their game and trying to bless it to other people. Um, and it, and it's, it's awesome. It's cool. It's been great for my business. People have sent me referrals out of there that I'm so thankful for. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's more than the referrals. It's just the knowledge. It's the game that you're soaking up. And now that you're able to kind of give out to other people. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you found that why, because, you know, it's it's all about that why, and it sounds like man, your whole journey's been searching for that why. Like, mm-hmm. why am I selling shoes? Why am I selling cars? Why am I selling insurance? Bam! Oh, this is why. Exactly. And, and once you found that, a result of seeking that why, and uh, a result of achieving that why, the reason it's gonna produce income. It's just yep. not. It, God puts you on this planet for a reason. And mm-hmm. once you're working in that purpose, he's gonna bless you financially too, because he's gonna he's not gonna make you look stupid. Like yeah. he, he gonna, he's not yeah. gonna make you make him look not faithful. Like yeah. if you're trusting God put you somewhere and you're telling people God put you here, then he's gonna make it look like okay, yeah, if I put him here, he's gonna be showing something from it. So exactly. And exactly. it's like you're not working, you know, you're not working, you're just living what you're supposed to do, man. You're living the way that you're what you're doing. You're serving your purpose, man. So I'm excited about that. Talk to us about what's the day in the life of young Kobe Bell. Oh, you're not young oh, Kobe man. Bell. You're not. Yeah, man. You're I'm the old like, Kobe Bell. You're yeah, senior. man. I done crossed that 30 bridge, <laughs> man. So I'm like the I'm a baby OG out and, here. And, and you got a uh, you got a junior. So I, I'm not yeah, the young Peyton yeah. boy either. So yeah, man. Let's talk nah, about man. young. I mean, senior. Yeah, I had a senior. I had to go and like drop the young off for all my Facebook and MySpace <laughs> profile. I ain't young nothing no more. I'm <laughs> hey, just regular. Hey, <laughs> if you got a MySpace profile. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'm just Kobe now. But um a day in the life is uh like basically today. I'll just tell you like well, what roughly what I did today. So I woke up today, um, you know, get up, do a light workout, get dressed, take my daughter to school, and uh get my son ready for school. And then from there is you know, 
once they're at school, I go, I went to BNI and BNI is a networking group for you people who don't know. It's just a place where different, um, different business owners, uh, go and network business and, you know, pass referrals and stuff like that. So I went there. Then I went to the office. I was in the office for another three hours, um, knocked out some calls, knocked out some quotes, came back because I had to pick up my daughter. So now I'm back at my home office and I'll probably be working here until about six o'clock. So, you know, it's a lot of, it's a little blend, a blend of work, a little blend of uh, spending time with the kids and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, man, but it's, you know, it's busy at the same time. Yeah, I feel you, man. So, um, so what, what, what does our business look like for you as far as like, what do you do day to day in the business world? Like mm-hmm. what, what you just setting appointments now, what are you doing from home? What are you doing in the office? Yeah. Um, so I'm primarily, I would say I'm about maybe 60% of the time I'm in the office, 40% of the time I'm, I'm at home or I'm out and about, or no, probably 60% of the time in the office, 20% of the time at home, 20% of the time out in the field, just meeting new contacts and sitting down and having lunch, coffee, different things like that. And just discussing business. Um, and I'm, you know, with clients, I'm, I'm setting appointments. I'm, uh, you know, looking to help people out with all their insurance needs. So whether it be auto home, life insurance, stuff like that, I'm, I'm looking to try to help them out with all those different types of needs. The main thing that I'm looking for at this time is I'm just trying to partner up with different uh, non, uh, what do they call them? Oh man, why can't I think of it? Nonprofit organizations, uh, because we have different uh, donation type of things that we can do with them to kind of fund their, their different endeavors. Uh, but at the same time, I'm getting quotes in and they're getting the, the financial parts of that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, um, that's pretty much what business is. Those are, those are pretty much what I do on a day to day and who I'm looking to do business with. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. So, so now that you found that why, and you, you're satisfied in what you're doing, what does um, spending look like now for you? Are you you get it dialed in. You and Erica work together to get something down. Like you say, yeah. what's it look like? What's the plan? Yeah, man. So I'm, you know, I think I spoke to you about this before, but you know, I, I'm working on those different buckets, man. And and I'm mm-hmm. I, the the first bucket is that money that's like, I, I remember you telling me this, but the first bucket is that money that's it's uh is it lazy? Yeah, it's like lazy money that's not um. Oh man, it, but it's liquid. It's liquid yeah, money, yes. but it's lazy money, you know? Yeah. And that's the money that really ain't doing nothing. It's in our savings account. It's for when we really, really need yeah, it or that, whatever. That's that cash bucket that exactly. you, need, you need it there. If emergency happens, I don't want to have to call my Peyton. I don't want exactly. to call no bank. I just want to give my money and use just it. Just give my money right then. So, you know, I had that. And then, you know, working, have the, have the nest egg and stuff like that pretty much handled. And that's just the money that, you know, um, is probably going to give me like eight to nine months of relief if if I were to lose my job or if, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I was to get injured on the job and I couldn't work or whatever, working on that. And then it's just now it's like trying to work on the, the money that's past that, you know, working on the money that's going to be there for the rest of my life type of money. Um, and then, you know, it's not always just about the money because I, you know, I have aspirations outside of insurance. You know, I, I like, I have a, a like I said, I, I love shoes and I have a love for clothes. And so I just kind of spend money on shoes and clothes that I know that down the line, 
people are either going to want it, not want it, whatever. It's just stuff that I'm acquiring because I plan on having a little small storefront one day to maybe run on the weekends and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm working on different little things, got different little things in the works, but you know, I'm, I'm at the, at the end of the day, the money stuff, it feels good because of different conversations that me and you have had, um, different conversations I've had with people who are good with their money. It just feels good to kind of get to the point to where it's like, okay, now I can kind of talk to these people because I'm not doing stupid stuff with my money. <laughs> it feels nice to pay yourself first, man, to put mm-hmm. something to know you're putting some money away. Eat, uh, listeners, even if it's a hundred dollars, if you build mm-hmm. that habit of putting money away for yourself first, when that check hits the bank, hey, it's not all mine right now. Some of it's for me in the future. Yep, you put yep. that money aside and it feels good to see it grow. What you're putting there grows. And once that bucket, that emergency reserve bucket maxes out and reaches, reaches the limit, whatever that number is for you, like for me and my household, 10 grand, that's what we need in cash. Mm-hmm. Everything above and beyond that is invested, working for us, growing it. And when you see your money start working, you listeners, you get inspired and you start doing more and more so I'm glad, man. I'm glad Kobe are doing going down that path. I'm glad of all things you're doing. I'm I'm happy to hear what you're doing with the uh realtors. That's cool. I know you're really involved with that group. You've even inspired me to get back involved. I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. get back in if yeah. you guys yeah. are back yeah. in person, if you're back in person, I'm back there too for sure. A hundred percent. We well we have a we have and I don't mean to cut you off, but we we do have an event coming up in October, um, and I'll I'll keep you posted on that so you can let your your uh, people know about it because we haven't solidified the the exact date and things like that yet now, but it's going to be a a home and garden expo. And it's just basically going to be for people who are getting ready to buy a home or people who have recently purchased a home, um, different ways to get in touch with contractors, plumbers, um, you know, people who are going to do the work on your house, because right now it's just a tough time to get those different types of people um, helping you out. It's just not a lot of contractors to help out with things right now. No, you keep me posted. I definitely want to get involved. I'll let you know. I got, got to say, man, that uh, that that job in the Midwest that you that you had, that did sound like it was up your alley going to meet with buyers. Yeah, meet, I'm, I'm glad you're doing the, the shooting on the side by like that's another kind of investment. Hey. Mm-hmm. Like or not, that's investment because those things they they um they appreciate. So yeah. do you do you see yourself returning to shoe business some capacity at some sure. point? I a hundred percent do. Um, you know, it, it would be more or less something like once my insurance business and stuff was like that was fully established, um, and I can kind of duplicate it and give it to where to somebody to run and also give it to somebody to hire different employees and I just kind of sit back as an investor and just money earn money off that book of business um, I would for sure work in a shoe business because it's one of those things that I just love doing it it didn't really matter that I was making you know 15k in a year or if I made some years made 30k it didn't matter to me because it just made me happy I love running and giving people shoes. I, 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 I like that part of it. So um, maybe, maybe not at a, at somebody else's, maybe not like your foot locker or champs or something like that. Maybe just selling, buying my own shoes on the side, but to a certain capacity for without a doubt, um, I know that I would still be doing some kind of shoe business at some point in my life. Hey, I'm excited for you to get back into it, man. That, that makes me happy. So this is the last question of the show, brother. I appreciate you coming on so much, man. Appreciate you. But um, the last question I ask everybody is the same. The words financial success mean different things to different people. It means different things to us depending on when you ask us. Like when I asked in the shoe business, it's different than what it was when he asked you 
when you're making 15k a week at the car business and it's different than what it is now but we're talking about today so today what do the words financial success mean to you and i'm not talking about a dollar amount what's that lifestyle look like to you uh that lifestyle to me is just once it, it, it really has to do with once I get to about maybe 55 or 60 years old, just knowing that all of my things, like the home purchases and stuff like that, that I needed to make, they're done, hopefully by that time. And uh, me and my wife can travel and know that, you know, things are taken care of, the bills are paid, and hopefully we don't have any mortgages that we need to pay. And then also that our kids are in that same trajectory as well um, to where they can kind of make that a part of their life as well, because that's, that's really what it is. I think it's really boils down to, we need to make sure that the next generation is set up to where that they can, they can grow their wings and, and, you know, fly off, you know, the things that we didn't learn, um, they going to learn, they're going to, they're going to be good at those things. They're going to, they're going to, be on top of their game with that stuff. And I don't think there's no better definition of financial success than something like that. Um, seeing those, those little ones being able to be like, okay, I'm coming straight out. Of, I'm coming straight out of high school in the real estate game. You know what I mean? And I got the licenses for this and this and that, because like, dang, if I, if I'd have been on that kind of stuff 10 years ago, man, I would have been, I would have been at this point when I was 22, you know what I mean? So it's just, uh, it's just, you know, we're just trying to trying to speed it up, trying to press that fast forward button, you know, for all you old heads who had those VCR players. We just trying to press that <laughs> fast forward button for our family and our and our and our kids and, uh, and 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 grow that generational wealth. So I think that's kind of my definition It's super long. It's not the Webster's definition, but it's the, the young Kobe definition. Amen. Young Kobe is back. Man. <laughs> hey, amen, man. Hey, man. That's awesome, man. You think of the generational wealth, long term legacy. Mm-hmm. And just increasing as a people, as a family, as an individual. Man, I'm excited about that. I'm sure you're going to achieve it. Um, That's all we got for the show this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to leave a link in the podcast to get get, get connected with the Realtors. There's a local chapter. It's nationwide. You'll find a local chapter. Get connected. Be part of the cause. If If you're not helping the cause, what's the word? What's the phrase? If you're not helping the cause, you're the problem. Some, some, some along those lines. I don't all know right, exactly right, what it right. is. But there's <laughs> a line like that and get involved, guys. And uh, for you youngsters out there, I'll leave the definition of a VCR so you guys know what a fast-forward button is. <laughs> hey, y'all have a blessed week. Thanks for coming on, Kobe. All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Yeah. Payne Boy is a financial professional with Homes Financial Oven Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA. FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.